It's the Heffern and Reap Bonus Show. Oh, sweet. This is the place where the guys upload bonus shows while they're on the road. Sometimes it's just John. Other times it's John and John. Huh? Either way, it's all good. <laughs> well, his friends would say stop whining. They've had enough of that. His friends would say stop hiding. There's other girls to look at. Well, they've tried to set him up with Tiffany and Indigo. But there's something about Mary that they don't know. Mary. There's just something about Mary. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Heaven and Reap show, or I should say bonus show. I'm John Reap, and I'm excited to bring you this episode because I sit down with a good buddy of mine named W. Earl Brown. And you're probably thinking to yourself, who is W. Earl Brown? Well, you know him. Um, if you've seen the movie, There's Something About Mary, because he played the mentally challenged brother in There's Something About Mary. You remember that guy. Beans and Franks. Franks and Beans. Well, that's right. He's not a real retarded person. He's a great actor, and his name is Earl. And he's been in tons of TV shows and movies. Something about Mary, Deadwood, Vanilla Sky, Six Feet Under, all the CSIs, uh, NYPD Blues, you know, Justified, American Horror Story. The, there's that movie The Master that's out now, and he's going to be in the upcoming Lone Ranger movie. Um, I sit down, I go to his house, I sit down in his man cave, uh, slash garage, slash uh, museum, and we sit down and we just talk about, you know, he's from Kentucky, so uh, two good old boys sitting here talking about, you know, how to make it as an actor in Hollywood, being from the South, and uh, Jerry Clower, Fifty Shades of Hay, and Earl teaches me acting 101 for the mentally challenged, so sit back and, en- and enjoy. Uh, I apologize again for the, the uh, low-quality audio, but uh, d- don't worry. You can hear everything we say, all the good stuff. So just sit back, relax, and enjoy another episode of the Heffern and Reap Show. Sitting here with the man, W. Earl Brown. Thanks for doing the podcast, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Just call me Earl. Well, I was going to ask you, uh, why the W anyway? Is that something that did he always... What, is that your middle name? Is Earl your middle Earl's name? Earl's my middle name. Okay, William Earl Brown. My daddy was William Eddie Brown. My grandfather was Edgar Washington Brown. So <laughs> E.W. or any combination of is a family thing. E.W. I was right. always called Earl, which was always a pain in the ass, um, you know, when in school. And I got in the habit in college of signing, because I was in these college classes with like 200 kids. Right. And uh, so I got in the habit of signing in W. Earl Brown, just because they would hopefully put together W. as William so when I joined the union, you can't have the well, you know that you can't the have the same Actors name. Guild. Yeah, Screen Actors Guild. You can't have the same name as another actor. Right. Is there another Earl Brown out there? There is an Earl Brown. Uh, there is a William Brown. Oh my and, God. And I was on. I had to join because I tapped Hartley, which means you can. You know, the first job I worked on, you don't have to join the union. Right. Right. You can save the money, and so the second job, I get this job, the Babe, the baseball picture of Babe Ruth. Like I had to go to work. Yeah, I had to be at work Monday afternoon. Well, you have to take care of your paperwork. So I had to go to the SAG office Monday morning in Chicago. I'm sorry, you can't be Earl Brown. Uh, <laughs> I, I, can I, uh, William Brown? No. I'm sorry, you can't be <laughs> William Brown. Right. Oh, uh, W. Earl Brown. 
Okay. There it so, is. That's so. how I became W. Earl Brown. Yeah, I was wondering if that was sort of like an actor type thing. A lot of actors do the, the, the three names or yeah, the initial. That, but that's usually But that's why. why. Almost always why. Screen actors. You know, not because of any kind of pretense. <laughs> yeah. like, w. Earl yeah. Brown. I want to be Jonathan <laughs> D. Reap. Yes. Well, my name is weird. Like, I thought about, like, should I just be John Reap? Uh, or should I be Jonathan? Because my full name's Jonathan, you know. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I see because of the Screen Actors Guild. I was Taft Hartley too. So for those who don't know, Taft Hartley means like uh, you're not in the Screen Actors Guild, and when you do a union gig, you have to be yeah. a member of the it's Screen a, Actors Guild. It's that way with any union. I mean, you can go to work at a union shop, you know, like working in manufacturing, and you have I think it's sixty days or ninety, whatever the that period is that right. you can still work within the shop without joining the union. Right. But once you get past that, that time span, I think it's 60, you, you're on a must join. Right. So it's the same with any union. Okay. I mean, it's not just screen actors. It's any. Taft Hartley, was that, a, a, was that named after the actor that that first happened with or something like that? Do you, do you know? You know what? I, I'm not sure. I know it's it's a federal federal law. Right, right. Um, it somehow comes in federal jurisdiction over unions. And it's different because some states are right-to-work states. and Right. So every state has its own little individual. Okay. Yeah, I felt I felt like honored, though. Like when I... Because basically what they're saying is like, uh, we can't find an actor that we like who's already who's, in the union. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Someone with lots of experience. We can't find a professional, so we'll take <laughs> We'll take guy. this guy off That's the Jonathan Reed. Jonathan Reed. Jonathan D. No one can say him <laughs> like he can. So, yeah, I felt like uh, that was a flattering type thing. So you got tapped hardly, and you had to do the W Earl Brown. Okay. Yeah. Well, that but, makes and, and sense. And I, I went to DePaul. I went to grad school at DePaul in, in theater. And John Riley was one. Of, he was there. John C. Riley. Yeah. Well, that's that's the joke because John's done quite well. Right. You want success? Put an initial in your name. God. Put D in the middle of your I name, and John there is no telling where your career is going to go. <laughs> I wonder if that would work. I'm going to do that. John, yeah, Jonathan D. Reap. That sounds more actorish, more theater than John Reap. You know, it just sounds very rednecky. But yeah, but on the marquee outside of the clubs, that Jonathan D. Reap. Well, you might take the whole marquee, so like all the local yeah, yeah, guys yeah. get bumped. Yeah, sorry, teacher, I read all letters. We can't spell your name. <laughs> John hogged up all the letters. Um, well, I also want to get into your background a little bit because I, you know, I, I am hearing an accent. Uh, you know, it's rare out here to find someone. You know, I tell people. You know, I'm definitely from the South. I'm from North Carolina. I've got the Southern accent. Not as bad as I used to, but if I drink a little whiskey, it definitely seeps back out more. A couple of beers or phone call from Mama and the more Southern I get. <laughs> That's right. You too, right? Oh, hell yeah. So, but when you're out here in L.A. and you find another person who has a Southern accent, it's like, oh my God, I have to be best friends with this guy. So, I, I, I coined the term Metro Jethro. Now, I would say that you fall in that category a little bit because you've got the Jethro well, side being from Kentucky, well, right? It, it dawned on me, well, two birthdays ago that I've now lived away from Kentucky longer than I lived there. Well, is that right? And I moved from, uh, I grew up in western Kentucky outside of Murray, Murray State University. That's where you, right. What did you study at Murray State, by the way? Well, I I started, my goal was to work at the local WPSD. I thought I'd be a producer, like a news producer. Oh, okay. I was the first in my family to even go to college. Really? Yeah. And you got brothers and sisters? I have a sister that's seven years older. Yeah. My mom had my sister when she was in high school. And my mom was her class valedictorian. Oh, wow. And so she was divorced with a baby when she was graduated oh. from high school, the head of her that's, class. That sounds like Kentucky. Uh, she, she tried to, uh, she wanted to be a school teacher, and she tried to juggle college and a baby, and she couldn't. Right. Um, she uh, thinks she went for a year. Anyway, so I was the first to, to well, complete college, so Mama had gone. 
Anyway, it, it was there that the the bug bit me, and and I decided that that was what I was going to do. The, the how did the bug bite you because of that? I mean, like, took, what was it you were doing? Well, the first you oh my my major I ended up declaring a radio television production major. Okay. And then I took an acting class on a whim. I was intimidated as hell by just being on a college campus. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I was a country kid. Right. You know, grew up didn't even grow up in town. Grew up twelve miles outside of town, and um, I there, we had an elective, and I, I I had this this theatrical experience class. That's what it was, and the dean taught this class. And and he was a big theater guy, and it was one of those two hundred W. Earl Brown sign in classes. <laughs> right. And he was talking about improvisational theater, and he was pulling kids out of the auditorium to do improv. I desperately that's... wanted him to call me. Really? Oh, I was. I've been scared to death. Oh, boy, I wanted up there. Yeah. And that's when I thought, man, you really, I really wanted to. So I took an acting class on a whim, and my first day, and I since I became good friends with a lot of these folks, and still thanks to Facebook, I'm in touch with some of them. Right. But it was you know introduce yourself and and where you're from, what you're doing here. Well, yes, my name is Jim uh, James, and I did uh, summer stock in Indiana last year, where I did Shakespeare and Moliere, and it's, and, and it's and it's this you know I, I jokingly call them the the black turtleneck and clove cigarette crowd. Right. And it gets to me, and I said, well, uh, I'm Earl. Uh, My name is Earl. Yeah, I grew up all right, well out in the county here, uh, and uh, well, I ain't never done no play. Um, oh no, wait, I did. I did a class play in the eighth grade. It was called "It's Cold and Then There Hills." Um, we we had a big speech team in high school, but I ain't never done no plays. Right. So then we, our first assignment was this Shakespeare soliloquy, and I was assigned Hamlet's the last poor Yorick, you know, the thing with the skull. Wish I knew it from fucking Gilligan's Island. <laughs> can right. I say fuck on Yeah, that? yeah, yeah, yeah. I can bleep it out. But it, we're, it's a podcast. We can do what we want. <laughs> if anybody's watched Deadwood, they'll... Oh, yeah. They'll Please. It. Yeah, I, I can curse an iambic pentameter. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, it, it was... When we did this Shakespeare you, you, Well, you learned that from Gilligan's Island. Well, I knew, that's, that's how I knew it. The, I asked to be or not to be. You know, remember, remember that? <laughs> Vaguely, I remember that one. That's hilarious. <laughs> I'm a little older than you. Yeah, yeah. So that was how I first knew it was Gilligan's Island. That's of course, then funny. I read, you know. I'm like, read. oh, that's after something that actually happened. That's <laughs> so funny. I memorized it. Anyway, we do the thing, and all of these classmates that had t- intimidated me, so not purposefully, right. but they did. Yeah. Um, then I remember looking around thinking. It can be very clickish, too. Oh, I, I mean, oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Better actor than all you people combined. Nice. Right. And, and then uh, the next year, I got cast in uh, that, we did that championship season, the play. And that was the one when the curtain fell on that. Because we, we had a very active speech and debate team in high school. We had uh-huh. this incredible teacher, Larry England, that taught us. He says, look, you are who you think you are. Mm-hmm. There is nothing in life that's not attainable if you're, not, if you're willing to work for it. Right. There's nothing wrong with being a farm kid and staying here and working on a farm if that's what you want. Right. But don't feel like you're stuck with that. Right. So that was ingrained in us and my wife that's how we met we she was i was four years older yeah but she was in that same program in high school no kidding yeah and um so anyway when i agree with that by the way like that what your teacher said yeah that's what one of my favorite is. quotes is from <laughs> this is gonna sound stupid uh the the last starfighter it's an old science I know, fiction i saw film. it here i came first time i ever came to california uh-huh. uh, in 1981 <laughs> that's a that's a story in and of itself that's really? a metro jethro story <laughs> 
<laughs> I saw Last Starfighter at the Hollywood, uh, the Dome. No kidding. Mm-hmm. Anyway, well, Last that's, well, I, well, that one of my favorite quotes is uh, like uh, Alpha Centauri comes down from the other planet or whatever to uh, you know recruit this kid who beat the high school at this video game, yeah. and so. Uh, He's trying to talk this kid into like, you need to come up here to our galaxy and save the save the universe, basically. And he says, uh, I can't do that. I'm just a kid from a trailer park. And he goes, if that's what you think, that's all you'll ever be. And then th- that just dawned on me, like, wow, so you can you can do whatever you want. Uh-huh. You know? And I, it's a dumb movie to get the quote from, yeah, but, but it's a good thing that you know I, that I kind of live my life by that a little bit. Well, if you think something, if that's what you really think about yourself, uh-huh. then that's all you're going to be. It's true. See, it, it hit me. Um, well, a couple things. My dad always had a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, folks like us, right? You know, folks like us can't get folks like us can't get a break. Folks like right. us, right? They wouldn't let me play. In, when I was in little league, I was really good, mm-hmm. simply because I was twice as big as all the other kids. <laughs> you know, um, baseball. But, yeah, yeah. So I couldn't play in town. I couldn't play in that league because that's where the doctors and lawyers' kids play. Yeah. And when he give you a chance, right? It doesn't matter how good you are. Yeah. So I had to play over at Harden, you know, with the, the, the farm kid league. Right. And um, But I remember thinking, it, but it's because you, you see yourself that way. It's because yeah. you're setting yourself at a disadvantage mm-hmm. already. It's your insecurities that yes. are. And I recognized it even, you know, as a little kid. Yeah. Um, so when, when I was in college, this was the bug had bitten me pretty hard. And my, my best friend, Mickey Hudson, he was in theater there with me. We'd gone to high school together, run the speech team together. And Mick said, uh, you know, that he, he was getting his teaching degree. Yeah. And, but he wanted to be a professional actor. And he said, I, I've given myself a three-year plan. I nice. Said, what? Right. He goes, I'm going to go to New York or I'm going to go to Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And, and when I finish college, and he goes, I'm giving myself three years. And if in three years' time, if nothing's happened, then you know, I tried. I gave it everything I had. And and he said, he goes, I don't want to be 75 years old looking back at my life wondering what if. Right. You know? Yeah, I tried it. It didn't work. I went on and did something else. <clears throat> right. But, but I know at least I have my know. answer. Right. Well, that hit me like a ton of bricks. It, this was one of those, you know, sitting around beer, sitting at, out at the lake yeah. conversations, yeah, you know, right, where, right. Where, where the profundity. Oh, yeah, philosophizing. <laughs> that's exactly, man. A lot of decisions have been made in my life sitting by Kentucky Lake drinking stolen Paps Blue Ribbon. <laughs> right. Stolen from my dad, by the way. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, although, although daddy didn't care. Yeah, really. he, he left it out there on purpose <laughs> yeah. so you could find it. So I could go philosophize. Yeah, of And course. find myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a lot in common because... Um, I also got into acting weird, weird in a weird way. Like it wasn't like I, I mean, I grew up liking comedy. I mean, you know, oh. I was a comedy fan first. There's all, there's my comedy collection. There's Richard my Pryor. vinyl's not there, but right, the Richard Pryor Lenny, box set, Lenny Bruce, Bruce box set, classic. There's a bunch of Jerry Clower. All the albums are inside. I got yeah. about thirty albums. By the way, for those of you listening, we we uh, were sitting in uh, Earl's office, which is like a. Uh, what do you? Is this a, was this a garage to begin with? What this was, it? was a garage, and this was when I was seventeen years old. This is the bedroom I dreamt of having. <laughs> <laughs> There's a stripper pole in here. There's like 18 guitars, and there's, we've got a full skeleton just hanging what, from a beam. There's a, a, an original Farrah Fawcett poster over there, and and as I'm fond of saying, 
I lost my virginity to that poster. <laughs> well, I'm going to take pictures if you don't mind. Can I take pictures and put this on the website? Of just too, bad, too bad we don't have video. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can make a video. I don't know if it'll go on the website, but yeah. I got I got uh, lightsabers from Star Wars. Oh, yeah. Hey, there's my earmuffs from Something About Mary. Oh, hell that's yeah. The, oh, we're going to get to the that. That's that, those are, I'm going to take a picture those of Those are the earmuffs. Okay. Or one of them. I mean, we had a bunch of them. But. So I'm sitting here, and I'm thinking, like, because I got into acting by accident, too, because I, I barely got into uh, NC State University. When I, I went to, uh, growing up in Hickory, I went to a community college for two years. Uh, because that's just, I didn't know what to do. Like, you know, you graduate yeah. from high school, it's like, like what are you doing? Like, what's, what's Booger and Shea doing? <laughs> yeah. They're going to CVCC exactly. Community College. Oh, I guess that's what and, I'm and doing. Remember, and remember seeing the dude that was like 27 still hanging <laughs> at the court square? <laughs> yeah. thinking, God, don't let that be me. I, know. I don't know what in the hell I'm going to do, but don't let that, that be me. That is the great thing about a community college. There are all types in there. <laughs> when you go to a real college, it's mostly kids. Yeah. But when you go to a community college, you don't know what you're going to run into there. They got like uh, non traditional students in their like 50s trying to get. Start over again, and who knows what that story but is. But at least they're doing something. Yeah, at least hanging doing on something. the court square, sitting on the back of their pickup at 27. Exactly. Scamming high school girls. I had no idea what I was going to do. I was like, well, I'm just going to do what my friends are doing. And then I, I, I farted around in community exactly. college for two years, and then I'm like, well, my buddy Booger. Uh, oddly enough, w- words of wisdom came from Booger. <laughs> he goes like, hey, I heard about this uh, program you can take at NC State where uh, you could take two classes and a PE, and if you do good, they might let you in as a full-time student. I go, that's all I need to hear. I was like, now i got to talk my parents into that plan, you know, because they're going to fund it. So I go home, and I tell my dad, and I basically use the same story your buddy does. Like, if, if I don't try, I'll never know, you know. Like, you got to give me a chance. And I talk my parents into Oh, hell, let him go to college and <laughs> fail there. At least right. he'll know. He's like, he's like, wait, you're going to be three hours away from me? That's a good idea. Yeah. I'll fund that. Just get out of here. He won't be out of the house, I think, you know. So I go, I go to uh, NC State, and it took me two, like two semesters to even do good enough to be admitted as a full-time student. So then I was like, okay, this is serious. I started getting serious, like, all right, I got to pick a major now, and I didn't know what to pick. So I thought, like, well, I better pick something easy, you know, because I barely got into this program. So let me look around to see what's easy. I'm looking at all the different things. I go, well, what are the athletes taking? I've got to be at least as smart as a, an athlete who barely got in, too, you know. So I'm thinking, well, a lot of them are taking theater. I was like, that's interesting. I'll, I'll, I'll just be a theater major. I don't know what I'm going to do with that, but I'll just be a theater major. So I, 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 and that, it was an accident. I got in there, and like you... Uh, pretty pretentious crowd. The uh, the uh, turtlenecks and the and clove cigarettes. The clove cigarettes. <laughs> you know, very very. They're already they already know each other. I'm uh, like the outsider redneck type jock exact guy. Exact like, same thing, man. Uh, just came from flag football practice, you know. And I'm like, can I be in y'all's group? You know. <laughs> and uh, I realized pretty quick that once I got in there and I took this acting class. That I was, people were asking me like, oh my God, can I be your partner in the next project or our next scene? I was like, yeah, I guess. You know, I was like, what? I'm like, well, you guys are thinking too hard about this. So I just, you know, <clears throat> I was told I was good by other classmates and the, uh, the teacher, you know, and I thought like, wow. Then, then when someone tells you you're good at something, yeah. then you go like, yeah, <laughs> maybe I'll do it. And it makes you feel like I should do this, like yeah. you're sort of meant to do it. So, yeah, I kind of backed into it a little bit. And then comedy came after that. There was a comedy club right there. But um, so yeah, so we have it's so funny. Our story exact are same thing. Pretty much. I started. I got involved with the debate there in college, speech and debate. Murray. Yeah. Murray, yeah. But I just because I could do comedy, I right. do afternoon speaking and just write comedy bits. Right, right. And uh, the, the I, I mean, at first, I you know I. 
because Belushi was my hero. As you see all the Belushi yeah, shit yeah, I all over the here. Yeah, little Belushi guy right there. Um, so, you know, I knew the Second City because of them. So sketch comedy was kind of more pulling me that way because that, that was what he did. Right. But I loved, I used to memorize, well, you can see all, all my comedy records. I used yeah. to memorize the shit. Right. I'd watch Make Me Laugh, the syndicated uh, game show with yeah, comedians. Yeah. I remember And that. I'd just steal their jokes and I'd go to school <laughs> the next day and act like they were mine. <laughs> and SNL and SCTV, man, I would sit and watch them really. Second City TV, I remember yeah. that. And uh, so it was... Um, I did stuff around, there was a guy trying to open a comedy club in Paducah, and he asked a couple of us to come down and do stuff. Right. So we went one night, mm -hmm. and there was a professor at school, Bob Valentine, very bright man and very funny. Bob's a big, after, he, he makes quite a living as an after-dinner speaker. Okay. But this guy wanted to do com you know, comedy, but he didn't want to pay us. Right. I'm like, nothing. Like, we're going to drive 40 miles down here to Paducah for nothing. Yeah, right, right. And tell jokes? Yeah. Nah, I'll just sit in my back. I'll sit down at the lake with some paps. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, 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 like, so you were in Murray State. Well, first of all, let me do that. Let me backtrack a minute because I'm, more, I'm guessing people are wondering how we even know each other. Um, because I met you through another friend of ours named Lance yeah. Patrick. And, and I uh, met Lance through Toby Keith. Toby's a, <laughs> Toby is a friend, and I was out at one of his shows. And what happened the way I met Toby, his his road crew were Deadwood fanatics. Right. And As we, everyone should be. <laughs> well, Rob Bias, who is Blake Sheldon's band leader, had written me a fan letter on MySpace. So we start corresponding. Wow. And he just said, I don't know if you listen to country music at all, because I'm a big country music nut. Right. Well, of course I knew who Blake was. Uh -huh. So we just start this correspondence, and he, he says, uh, well, Toby was playing here. He goes, oh, that, his crew, they're big fans. They'd love to invite you to a show. So I go, and me and Toby just hit it off. Right. So anytime he's through, you know, we, he a good guy. Super he seems nice like guy. he would be. Yeah. Every time I see him on late night talk, shows he is and exactly stuff. the guy you see. Yeah. That's him. Right. Uh, and then Lance was out. This was a show a couple of years ago at San Bernardino. You. This was about a year after last comic or so, maybe a year and a half. Okay. And um, I met him at the show, and we talked, and and we're talking about this comedian, that comedian. I said, you know, who cracks me up. It's that southern guy, the dude from the Hemi commercials, Reap. He goes, oh, I know John. <laughs> oh, so, that was Lance, yeah. Yeah. And so Lance says, hey, uh, uh, a friend of mine wants to come to your show. I was doing a show at the Improv at the on Improv. Melrose. Yeah. yeah. And so that's that's where we that met. That was it. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, what? This guy's awesome. Um, well, I couldn't remember where. I'm still trying to remember. Uh, it may have been the, the Hemi commercials at very first, but I'd seen... But this was before last comic. I knew who you were before that. So, okay, yeah. Well, uh, maybe it was I like love a, storytellers. I've told you that. I yeah, love yeah. great storytellers, and you're right. a great storyteller. Like 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 Bill Cosby, Richard Pryor. Yeah. That's me, too. I love a good storyteller. Like, and, and Carlin is the one for me. As a kid, my, I, it was Richard Pryor. Yeah. And, well, Jerry Clower, of course. Knock him out, John! <laughs> We gotta pull up some Jerry Clower for this for this podcast at some point because I'm I'm, I'm here's what I'm finding out because John Heffron is my partner on this podcast and we're getting random people who aren't necessarily fans of me or necessarily fans of him they're just fans of like comedy podcasts yeah. who don't know anything about us yeah. so I'm thinking I might have to introduce him to some Clower because that well that's, that's why old nobody school. here I mean I heard Jerry I saw Jerry several times yeah and. Nobody's even heard of Jerry. Yeah. I kind of had this epiphany moment uh, when you feel like one of these moments where you feel like maybe I've arrived. Yeah. This was after after something about Mary and and the exec casting exec at Fox wanted to meet me. Right. So I go over there dressed up in my suit and tie, you know, and I'm sitting there waiting. 
for my meeting with the big head of the studio casting. Right. <laughs> and it, CNN was on. Jerry had died. It was on. The package was on. Oh, really? That Clower had died. It okay. was that day. So I'm sitting there watching, oh, hell, Jerry died. Yeah. And I get called in, you know. So it was kind of this meeting of that was one of the guys, especially as far as as, as comedy. He yeah. was the first comedian. Him and Wendy Bagwell, some of the guys that did, you know, the country comedy. Wendy was a gospel singer that would do right. stories. Maybe you tell me about this. Yeah, I'll play you some one of his records. Um, anyway, those were the first ones that I saw. But then... I got a prior eight track. Um, that, wow, it's crazy. Yeah, that was the first one I had, and uh, I just love prior. And then I discovered Carlin. Yeah, and Carlin was the one. And still, my daughter's always you know, she does because George has been gone. Yeah, uh, I mean she was when well, he's been gone six seven years. But yeah, yeah, Carlin made me think about stuff. Right, it was like the first time I heard seven dirty words. Yeah, because it was always the same thing. You know, you'd say one of them. You get smashed. Right. Yeah. Um, last time I got my ass whipped. Big well, I always time. thought it was weird. It's like tits is a bad word on yeah. the radio or on TV. You can't say tits. Well, that was Carla's bit. Sounds like a snack. That's right. I know it is. <laughs> New Nabisco tits. But you can't eat just one. <laughs> That's right. Like a nickname. Tits, meat, toots, toots, tits, tits, toots. <laughs> anyway, um, the last time I got my ass whipped, I was 12. I had Ted Nugent blaring on the stereo, and I'm sitting there reading Cream Magazine, and it's time for church. Right. And <laughs> I was wearing... That is so subtle. I was wearing camouflage Snuggie underwear. Nice. Because when I got in high school, white underwear, that was not cool. So the Sears catalog, I'd go find, you know... Whatever. Camo Snuggie. <laughs> yeah. What, what do you mean, like Camel camo? briefs. No, oh, briefs. Bri- briefs. <laughs> okay. Nice. And uh, oh, my funny. mom comes in. She's like, young man, you know what time it is? Time for church. You get up. You get up. She goes out. She closes the door. Me just being so cool. I went, yeah. Fuck you, mom. Woo! I don't care how loud you play Ted. Oh, Mama can still hear that. God. I heard the feet. <laughs> door slams open. Oh, She's standing there. You remember the paddle balls? Yeah, yeah. That's what I got my ass whipped with. Oh. We had a paddle ball. It was up in the linen closet. Mama's got the paddle ball paddle in her hand. <laughs> What'd you say to me? God. <laughs> Nothing. I heard you, young man. You just... Wow. So, so around that same time, I hear Carlin. And this whole idea that, you know, bad words. Like, you know, the whole opening of the bit. Um, 400,000 words, and there's seven of them that are bad. Right. You know, and then bad thoughts, bad feelings, bad intentions, yes. Uh-huh. But no words. I thought, wow, he's right. Like his bit about Roberto Clemente, you know, a TV announcer could say, Roberto Clemente's got two balls on him. But he can't say, ooh, I think he hurt his balls on that play, Kurt. Right. I think, oh. That is weird. That's all FCC right wow. there. Wow. Yeah, what? Those were the FCC rules. Yeah. Those were the words you yeah. couldn't say. That's bizarre. And, and his bit about it, you know, it's okay to prick your finger. But don't finger, finger your prick. prick. <laughs> and again, as a 12, I gotta listen to that again. It's been and, too well, long. as a twelve-year-old, brought up in a Baptist church where there was a lot of hand slapping going on. You right, know? right. Um, I mean, not my mom, just in general. Just in general, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, um, you used to be able to hit kids back then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When I'd get the look in church, when I'd be squirming in church, and I would get the look. Yeah. You know, and then you know you're gonna get your ass whipped when you get home. Yeah. And then you're just like an angel in the car ride all the way home. Oh yeah. But you're shitting bricks. And my sisters, you're gonna get it. <laughs> we get home, you're gonna get it. I said, no, I'm not. But, you know, I was good in the car on the way home. You're gonna get it. I'm not gonna get it. <laughs> was, yeah. And then here come mama with a paddle. <laughs> 
what I tell you at church? Yeah. You didn't tell me nothing. You looked at me. That's telling you. <laughs> Bend over. So yeah, did you ever, I used to get beat with a switch. Oh yeah. This is, I, yeah. Well, that, well that, that prior bit. You you remember that one yeah. about his grandma making him go cut the switch? Yes. I mean that. that oh God, that those was my are life. so. Uh, yeah. I think that's why they're long lasting, historical, just iconic bits. Is because. The humanity this is so happened. It, it happened, you yeah. know. I had to pick a switch. I remember, <laughs> I the worst beating I got was when I talked back to my dad. <laughs> and like, like we, I didn't do it as bad as what you did, but I was in the kitchen, and uh, our kitchen was right up against the living room. So you know, you had the the, the uh, tile floor, and then you go on the carpet, right? <laughs> so I had like you know a pop tart or something and some tea in my hand. I was getting ready to take go from the kitchen to the living room to sit down and watch TV. And Dad goes, uh, "Don't bring that in here. Don't no, eat that in the kitchen." <laughs> I go, I don't have to if I don't want to. And I sat right down. And he goes, what did you say? You don't have to you, if you don't want boy, to? Boy, you might want to go smell the corners in this house because you know who's pissed in them? Me. <laughs> My house, buddy. My rules. So I got beat pretty hard that day with a switch. Let me tell you something. As long as I pay the bills. Yeah, yeah. Hey, them's the rules, buddy. So, yeah. Um, now, when you uh, – a lot of people are going to know you – Obviously, I mean, what would you say is the biggest thing that most people would know you from, but maybe not know you from? Well, something about something Mary. about Mary, right? Frank Van Beans. That's it, folks. That's Warren, the uh, the mentally challenged brother of Mary. Uh, uh, Beans, it was Frank's and Beans. I always say Beans and Frank. Well, it Frank's went both ways. I oh, said it did? both okay. ways. Yeah. <laughs> how did that part happen? It was. Um, it was just, it, one of those things. How sometimes the fates seem like they lead you towards something, you know? Yeah. And. Um, I had uh, just I I got to do the first Scream movie, which was the first thing I was in that I had a pretty decent sized role in that was a big huge hit. Scream before Scream, the first about Scream, Mary. right? It happened right. in ninety six. Camera guy. Yes, yes, I played Kenny. Um, I mean, it didn't take a lot. It didn't take anything special for me to play that role. But, uh-huh. um, but hey, that's a big big part yeah. of a big budget well, movie. Well, and... I, w- I was doing a, a mini series for CBS called Bella Mafia. Which was a really kind of overwritten melodrama about this the female all the males in this mafia family are killed and the females take over right. Oh, well, I'm, I'm kind of the, the the screw up son. That's the role I'm playing. Right. And uh, Jennifer Tilly was playing my wife. Mm-hmm. Well, some of these scenes they were really kind of hammy. So we played it a little tongue in cheek. We were kind of making fun of oh, the, you know just our interpretation. <laughs> right. Well, the director loved it. Well, he encouraged us because it gave some levity to it. You uh-huh. know. So there's this one scene we we have a sex scene and we completely made it a goof, right? You know, and the crew's cut and the crew's dying laughing. <laughs> and Gary Yoshiba was a camera assistant. Gary comes over, and he had done the the I had done three Wes Craven movies at this point: uh, Vampire in Brooklyn, A New Nightmare, and then Scream. Vampire in Brooklyn was that was that, that Eddie was Murphy? Eddie. Yeah, it was it. Oh my Eddie. god, yeah. There's a story in that one. I too. forgot about that one. Uh, but but anyway, Gary had shot all those because he always works for Mark Irwin's camera crew. Okay. And Mark does Wes's films. Anyway, they do all the Fairly Brother movies. And Yeshiva came over to me. He just hired him on this TV thing just as a side gig. He goes, man, you're funny. All this stuff we've done together, I've never heard you be funny. You're funny, funny. <laughs> um, We're doing this new Fairly Brothers movie. You should read it because it's the funniest script I've ever read in my life. It's called There's Something About Mary. So... I was with a small agency wow. at that time, so it was difficult to even get material. Yeah. Days later, I'm at the gym here in uh, at Bally's Fitness over at Studio City, and I'm on a Stairmaster. Yeah. Lynn Shea is on the Stairmaster next to me. 
But she did a bunch of Wes Craven films. Lynn Shay, I'm trying she to... She played Magda in the movie. Okay. In Something About Marion. She had been Miss Dumar in, in Dumb and Dumber. Ah, gotcha. Or in in uh, uh, Kingpin, she was Dumar. Kingpin, okay. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I so, so I brought up, I said, oh, we have a mutual friend is, you know, sweating next to one another. And I said, <laughs> you know, Wes Craven. And we, I, I saw, you know, you were in New Nightmare. She goes, yeah, yeah, I was this, that, and the other, and... And um, and I said, yeah, I just watched because I've rewatched the Fairley Brothers movies. Mm-hmm. And I said, I saw you, you know, in the Fairleys. She goes, I'm. I tell you, I'm doing this new Fairleys movie. It's the funniest script I've ever read in my life. It's called There's Something About Mary. So within a couple of days, two people completely out of the blue, right, have given me the title of this thing and saying it's the funniest thing yeah. I've ever read. <laughs> so I told my manager, I just started working with Lynn, and I said, all right, well here's your first project. Find me this script called Something About Mary. So she gets it too. Uh huh. And as soon as I read it, I mean, it was like the lights went on like this. Right. Because it wasn't on the page. There were very few lines. Uh huh. Some of the stuff that's in the film, a few things that he was masturbating. He was masturbating. <laughs> that was all improvised. Okay. Yeah. Um, so there wasn't a lot to it. So I, I told my manager, I said, I want to do this. And then my manager did not like broad farce comedy. When you were reading this, though, did you see the part? I mean, was that Completely. were you thinking like I gotta play this part? Yes. Uh, or was Warren. there another part you were thinking? No, I knew of? Warren. Okay. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Because he was described as big and hulking and, and mm-hmm. um so I was part of this improv group with Amy Peets, who yeah. you've worked with. Amy Peets, uh, who was in the mm-hmm. Rodney sitcom who played uh Rodney's wife's sister mm-hmm. and uh, uh oddly enough we were about to uh do our own. Uh, uh, we were, I, I've going to be my I, love interest. I've heard there was a little S and M there. Yeah, yeah. Well, you never fifty saw shades it. of hey. <laughs> fifty shades of hey. Oh my god. There's That's a bit brilliant. in that. There's a bit that in that. That is brilliant. I'm stealing that from you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. When this turns off, we'll work on it afterwards. <laughs> yeah, fifty shades of hey. 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 <laughs> Do it good. like Gomer. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> hey, y'all. Anyway, um, <laughs> what were we talking about? You were talking about... Mary, with Amy. Amy is part of this oh, yeah, improv, Amy, yeah. improv group at her house. And it was all working actors that we'd just get together on, on a Sunday afternoon and just play. We weren't making a show. We weren't. It was just kind of refreshing to, you know, especially the ones that were doing dramas. Yeah. You know, we'd just do improv. Uh, Amy's husband, Kenny, was part of Paul Sills' group up in Door County. Mm-hmm. Paul founded the Second City, the Compass Players. He was one of the original ones. Oh, really? Elaine May, Mike Nichols, Paul Sills. His mother, Viola Spolin, wrote the book, Improv of the Theater. That's his oh, mom. Oh, wow. So anyway, Kenny was a part of Paul's little insular group, and Kenny would lead these things. Well, there was another dude there. Oh, most of them were from Chicago, which yeah. I'd lived there seven years. And there was this guy, Rob Moran. I kept thinking, how the hell do I know Rob? Then it dawns on me. When um, I, I was rewatching Dumb and Dumber, or no, no, Kingpin, uh, no, yeah, Kingpin. Kingpin. He's, Stanley, he's Stanley the Evil Bowler in Kingpin. Okay. <laughs> and next Sunday, I went finally figured out how I know you, man. You're Stanley the Evil Bowler. He says, Yeah, yeah. He goes, I did Dumb and Dumber too. He goes, I'm the bartender when Jim has the date and the girls. Yeah. Split him up. He goes, I'm the bartender that we had those long scenes. I went, oh, Yeah, man. I said, do you know the Fairleys? He goes, oh, yeah, I grew up with them. He said, I've known them since I was a teenager. I'm from Rhode Island. I said, because, man, I'm trying my best to get on something about Mary. And he went, Warren, are you interested in playing Warren? I said, yeah. He goes, because they can't find anybody. Really? Because they've seen 100 people. They can't find anybody. Wow. So that night he calls me. He goes, I just talked to Bobby. They want to see you Tuesday. Nice. Who's your agent? Uh-huh. So I go in Tuesday. 
I played it straight. I just knew instinctively. I mean, there's things where, you know, you're a comedian. There's things where you, you can take something that's plain and you can laugh it up. You can goof it up and yeah. make it funny. Right. And I just knew instinctively with that role, if if you, you know, Joe Dirt it. Yeah. Uh, if you do that, then the audience is going to hate you. Because you're making fun of someone with... It's a with, very... You're right. It's yeah. a very delicate line you've yeah. got to walk anytime and, and, you're playing a mentally challenged person. Yeah, but I, the only way to make that funny... Because it, the, 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 that movie hinged on the relationships between the people. Even as broad and goofy as it was, you believed the characters and you cared about the characters. Uh-huh. You wanted to see them together. Yeah. You know, right. and you believed... And a big part of why Warren was funny was the way she related to me, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She didn't relate to me as, oh, this is Warren, my handicapped yeah, brother. Yeah, like she was ashamed this of is, you. Yeah, this she... is Warren, my brother. Yeah. So um, so anyway, I auditioned. It went well. There were a bunch of people in the room the first time. So they call me a week later. They want me to come back. And um, I go. And in the interim, I'd been out shopping with my wife. And uh, um, she, there was this girl I saw shopping with her mom who was who was mentally retarded and I noticed the way that she moved her head uh-huh. it was like it was on a ball pivot right 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 and I, and I remember thinking oh I'm going to steal that I'm going to do that I'm going to do that so that's the only thing I changed when I went back in the second time and there were four other guys there it was a callback and they were all stand-ups there was really? one guy I recognized anybody I know I, I can't remember who was who it was just faces right. I recognized okay. from comedy specials and stuff right right um, one in particular and I, I'm uh, i but I, I'm pretty sure they were all comics. But that's what they'd been seeing. They'd just been seeing comics. Yeah. And so I go in, and I was playing it straight. And I could hear the one guy. And I could hear him amping it up and playing Goofy. Right. You know? Yeah. Just go Piggyback wide! Piggyback wide! And I yeah. knew that that's not, that's not the way to do it. Yeah. So I went back in, and I, I did my thing. And... Uh, I'm kind of shake. I, I was not happy because it was the second time wasn't as good as the first, and I knew it. Okay. And uh, and Pete goes, you know that that was great. I said, can we can we do that again? You Pete asked go, him to do it again. Yeah. Okay. Pete said, no, there's no need. And I said, uh, yeah, but I think uh, he goes, no, I know, I could see, but you're the guy we want, so oh, you nice. don't have to do it again. <laughs> so that was the time of like, don't fix then, it. you play it cool. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. It's like you got to completely play it cool, right? And uh, yeah, cool. All right, did you, know? you get the whole like uh, the finger? You're doing the fingers too. Like yeah. You were. Um, yeah. Did you see that from the same girl that you got the? Head? The, the only thing changed in in the uh, was my walk when when I got to Miami. Yeah. Is, is where I found that. Oh, uh, really? It, yeah. Everything else was there. We had rehearsals, and then I was walking the streets. They put me in the shitty motel. <laughs> and I, but I did get to go over to the fancy place to work out. Uh-huh. So in Coral, uh, Coral Gables, we right. were, there were no street lights. The streets are dark. So that night, walking back, I started messing with, I thought, you know, probably has cerebral palsy. Just because you have cerebral palsy doesn't mean you have a mental handicap. But oftentimes, if it's due to brain damage at birth, oftentimes CP will go along with that. Right. So looking back, there was actually somebody I went to high school with. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't consciously go, I'm going to walk like that guy. Right. But that's exactly where I took it. Okay. Because when my wife saw it, she went, you did, you did our high school buddy. Oh, um, she recognized that uh-huh. walk, huh? That's okay. So, so anyway, that when the walk came 
And then it was like flicking a switch. Like I could turn it off and on, and I knew. Nice. And and one of the, you know, I'm not big on the, uh, you know, these actors that I am my character. <laughs> yeah. Call me by Method. my character right. name. Yeah, well, it was fun to warn. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we were, they were messing with haircuts because I had long hair when we start, but when I first got there. And I was walking back and forth between the makeup trailer and the set mm-hmm. to show them these different, you know, as, the, as they were trimming my hair. Okay. So I had the wardrobe on. So I walked, because I still wasn't completely, and it was the first time in daylight that, you know, so I walked as Warren just so I could get used to moving in those clothes that way. Yeah. What struck me was people on the sidewalk, because I was walking like three or four blocks by myself. <laughs> People on the side, I saw twice people cross the street so they wouldn't walk by me. <laughs> that means you're doing a good job. Seriously, but but it, but it's also it, of like but what sunk into me as an actor of anybody in this condition they're going to recognize that they're going to recognize that people are uncomfortable around them. Yeah, yeah. Two people cross the street oh, right. so they won't walk by you. Yeah, yeah. You know what is that? What's that do? Well, I also noticed that you're you did the whole. Um, and we talked about this last time about how you you don't make eye contact. Yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of uh, many challenged people they don't look you in the eye. They sort yeah. of their heads always moving around. Yeah. But they also try to avoid eye contact with you. But I came up with reasons for all of that stuff. That's the thing you got to do as an actor. Again, you can't make an issue. I didn't tell anybody. Yeah. But the whole bit of touch my ear, I go crazy. Right. Well, I thought, well, why? Okay. Um, th- I found out there was a real Warren. He plays Freddy in the movie. They uh-huh. grew up with him. He grew up down the street from him. They based the character on Warren Tasian. Okay. Uh, when the orange T-shirts, when she's handing out hamburgers on the beach, and he goes, "Will you marry me, Mary?" And she goes, "What about Vivian or whatever the other girl's name was?" Uh-huh. And he and and he says, uh, "Yeah, I, no, I want to marry you." And he kisses her. That's Warren Tasian. Oh. Um, well, I didn't even know Warren Tasian existed when I first did the role. Yeah, and then Warren came, and I, his parents were with him, and I met, and I found out everything. Warren was brain damaged from birth. Okay, and he had CP as a part of the same issue. Okay, um, yeah. So, and Warren was the past president of the National Association of Retarded Citizens. Really, Warren lived independently. Wow. He worked as a chimney sweep. Wow. Um, that's see, that's it, I've I've brought this up to people before, where I'm from. We don't like, we're not ashamed or we don't try to hide our mentally challenged or retarded people. We put them to work. <laughs> I mean, they can do things. I had an uncle named Kenneth who was mentally challenged so my whole life. My mom's oldest brother, Kenneth. And she has like, my mom had like seven or eight brothers and sisters. They're everywhere. But one of them was Kenneth and he was mentally challenged. But he worked. I mean, he would go down to a local store and, and bag groceries and he could walk home. But I mean, at the end of the day, he was mainly challenged, yeah. but he could do things. But the but, but big with, cities, they hide him in institutions, and they like let's try or, and fix or that. Coddle it, or yeah. coddle it, or they can't take care of it. You know uh, th- that a big lesson. That's that's what drew me to acting, and it still does. Yeah, is I learned so much about myself. Yeah, you know, just right. through because you put on the cloak of somebody else. It took me many years to recognize that. I'm pretending it was safe. The stage was safe because yeah. it's not me. Right, right. I'm a character. It's yes. not me. Uh-huh. Then you realize, nope, it is all you. of that dark stuff that comes out is you. Right. It is you. And it gives you, you know, this, this sense of just empathy for humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, but one lesson I learned going to Chicago, coming from, you know, blue collar, working class background, I always thought if we had money, if we had money, there wouldn't be this problem. We had money. Right. Like money would solve yeah. all your problems. Now, we weren't poor. I mean, for yeah. my school and class, you know, we were 
we were working middle class. Mm-hmm. Mama worked, and, right. and you know, I was the first kid in my school to go to Disney World. Disney <laughs> World opened in 1972. I was the first kid in school out nice. there at Disney World. We'd go to the Smoky Mountains every year. Uh-huh. Right. Um, so, you know, it's not like we were poor. We were poor, yeah. And, and, uh, but you could always use more money. Yeah, but, you know, I remember the fights between my parents at night, hearing them yell about money. Yeah. Of course, as I got older, I recognized it's more than just money. There's a lot more at play. Yeah. But as a kid, you It's know, easy you to blame your problems on the lack of money. Yeah. Then when you get money, and that's not yep. the problem anymore, then you got to look at you. Yeah. Well, most people don't. Exactly, because <laughs> they don't where, get the money. That's where they implode. <laughs> um, right. So, so, anyway, when I moved to Chicago, one of my classmates, in, I went to grad school at the Goodman. Um, there's a story for... What's the Goodman? The Goodman School of... It's the Theater School of DePaul. It was DePaul. the Goodman School of Drama. Okay. Um, they were just changing the name between the Goodman and Theater School when so I was there. So how did you get from Murray to to DePaul? Well, well that's a story. Let, let me finish this. The, yeah, work, yeah, yeah. the yeah. work thing you brought up is what makes me think. Right, right. Guessing that a lot of folks, you know, listen to this are from the same socioeconomic background and stuff as, as us. Sure. But one of my classmates was from New York City. He's, he and I hit it off. Best friends. We could not be more different. From the Upper East Side of New York, an incredibly wealthy family, Jewish, uh-huh. you know, the polar opposite of me. <coughs> right. Uh, but we became very close friends. Mm-hmm. And That's and, the great thing about college, man. It's yeah. everybody coming together and well, you can have Well, them. him, his was, his grandfather had, had owned the Boston Gardens and he owned the Boston Bruins. Oh, and, wow. And they owned a lot of sports franchise, and he started it as a vendor. His grandfather was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Jesus. Back, called the, the Godfather of Sports. There's a big cash we're talking here. Yeah. Well, um, well, I'll say Seth, Seth Jacobs. Um, we're still friends, and he's a professor at Boston College now, history professor. But anyway, with Seth, it was, he, he had everything that I thought. That's what perfect life was. Uh-huh. Up. Millions of dollars in you would never, ever know this guy with the way he lived, with the way that, you yeah. know, he was fascinated. He didn't live life. like a, he didn't flaunt no. it or anything, right? All of his, he had a really nice apartment. Uh-huh. All of his bills went to his, his family's account and everything's taken care of. He's right. a trust fund. Right. Um, he, he seemed to be fascinated with my life, with the way I grew up. Uh-huh. I was exceptionally close with my granddaddy, especially my mama's daddy. Mm-hmm. You know, taught me how to work, taught me to do, you know... Work on a farm, mechanics, all this stuff that a man's supposed to learn. You yeah, know? and um, and Seth was talking about you know how he said my grandfather was bloodthirsty and money hungry, and wow. he came to this country that way. And every negative connotation you can think about somebody was him. Wow, and and just the the issues you know and the struggle, and and it dawned on me that how much sense of worth people get from earning their own way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah, when you earn it, it yeah, means it more. it means more. That yeah. was the thing with Granddaddy because Daddy was a car dealer, right? He yeah. had a car dealership, used cars. Mm-hmm. But I was gonna get me a new Trans Am. Yeah, I was. That was gonna get me. I was gonna get you the, gonna Daytona, the Daytona 500 special. No, oh, it was okay, silver. Okay, okay. He had one, yeah. and he had to sell it when I was 15. That's what I was gonna get. Right. right. So Daddy lost his ass. And we almost lost our house. Thanks to my mom, we didn't. Um, but anyway, ain't nobody going to buy me no new car. Right. So granddaddy says, well, don't you come over to the farm and we'll cut firewood. Said, you can use my truck. You can use my saws. I'll help you. Mm-hmm. But let's put an ad in the paper. You take out an ad. and you. So I go for six weeks, cut firewood, August and September, using his ton truck and selling firewood. Nice. So I bought my first car and I bought it with my money. I bought a 76 you Monte Carlo. You earned that yeah, car. But that's what granddaddy told me. He said, look, I know you're disappointed. You ain't going to get no fancy sports car. Yeah. 
Um, but what you get, you you will have earned. It'll mean more. And I remember I remember thinking, yeah, yeah right, right. Yeah. Try I get some stinky on your pinky and some, <laughs> some old fucking beater. Yeah, exactly, you know? exactly. <laughs> but I didn't have to buy a beater. I bought a decent car. What was it again? Nineteen seventy six Monte Carlo. Those were badass silver too. with swivel bucket seats. Those baby. were. I remember uh, people loved those cars. You know, that's that's what that wasn't. But what the Trans Am? But it was still a pretty badass was, car. You know, only three years old. But yeah. but anyway, that, it was a lesson that hit me. And it came really when, when I was with, with Seth in Chicago of he had no relationship with his grandfather. What little he had was abusive. Okay, yeah. You know, he, he said all that mattered to that old man was work and money. Right. And anything else that got in the way of it. And granddaddy taught me how to take care of myself and how, you know, not to say that Seth couldn't take care of himself. He's an right. incredibly bright guy. Yeah. But it, how much sense of self-worth you get. You know? Right, right, right. And I'm, I'm not a staunch so he believer. I, I believe in social programs and there being something there to help people get a leg up. Yeah. Because if it hadn't been for student loans and, and government-backed student loans, I couldn't have gone to grad school. Right. It would not have happened. Right. That's um, true for a lot of people. Yeah. And I've paid it all back. Um, you know, my wife, her father was killed in Vietnam. or He actually died in, in states, but he was active duty. Yeah. So her college was paid for because of military. VA. Yeah. But... But again, it, but your buddy you learns something. You, yeah. yeah, but people have to have a leg up. They yeah. have to have, you yeah, know, yeah, a, the opportunity. Yeah, and had it not been there for me, wouldn't have happened. Right. So, but again, it was that big learning of of who's wealthier. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. What, what do you define as wealth? Is it money or is it just a happy life? Contentment with life. Right. Yeah. And if you think that's what it comes from, because I, I mean, I know a lot of really miserable wealthy people. Yeah. That it's in it, you because that whole you think mm-hmm. that that chip on your shoulder, folks like us, folks like, yeah. and then you get it, yeah. But you still have that hole in the middle, right? And then you're just more miserable. That's why when you when you see a lot of like uh, these lottery winners who are like yeah. poor white trash, and they win the lottery, uh-huh. that stuff's gone. Destroys pretty quick. your life. The money's gone. They think that that, that will solve all their problems, mm-hmm. and really, it's all about mm-hmm. you, you know what's inside of you. Yep. But I want to get back to um, a little bit about the uh, my but the mentally challenged thing. We're getting a little heavy. This <laughs> is a comedy podcast. No, no, dude. <laughs> Man, you know what? I feel like I'm at Kentucky Lake with some past blue ribbon. <laughs> Do you have any beer in here? Oh, I see some wood. Reserve over there. So you're a Kentucky guy. Do you prefer bourbon over whiskey, uh, or do you care about? No, that? But it's almost all bourbon. If I'm drinking dark liquor, it's bourbon. And, and I've yeah. gotten a taste for uh, um, tequila. That's my summer drink. You can tell no what kidding. temperature is. If I'm drinking tequila, it's, it's summer. summertime. <laughs> so right about now, you're a, you're a bourbon guy, right? Yeah. Now. Well, there's well, some wood reserve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the uh, my 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 uh, uncle Kenneth getting back to the whole mentally challenged thing is like he did another thing where I, that I noticed that you did was you're constantly smiling a lot not constantly but yeah. you're smiling almost at times when it's no need for it or something mm-hmm. you know and he did that a lot and uh, and the way that you said Mary treated uh, Warren was affectionate a lot of love she wasn't ashamed and that's how my family was my mom was like Mary and that she. She was proud of her brother, Kenneth, because mm-hmm. he was able to do all this stuff, even though he did have these yeah. handicaps. And um, Because what he had, he earned. He did, you know. You know yeah, you, and he you, felt good about not, himself. Not given the best tools with which to build a house, right. but <laughs> yeah. what tools you've got, you're able to build something. But we loved uh, him, and he knew that. And we, yeah. It's like you're allowed to make fun of or poke fun at your family, but if an outsider yeah, did outsider it, does. Oh, hell then no. that's like you get, he's going to yeah. the ground. So we it's, would do it's that. It's like redneck jokes. Yeah. You know, when that's I, true. When I hear somebody start degrading some yeah. dumbass hillbillies. 
Yeah, who don't raised, know. No. Yeah, they don't know what they're talking about. Well, we, uh, I remember one Christmas, uh, my, my, my mom's side of the family would all get together and we'd play this game where you buy a gift and you put it in the middle and you draw a number yeah. and you can steal a gift from somebody else. I forgot what it's called, but... Um, I, every year, I would I wouldn't know what to get. You have to the guys would have to buy a men's gift, and the women would have to buy a female gift, and that's how we played. And I thought, well, this year I'll just get an old dirty shoe, and I'll put it in a box, and I'll put a gift certificate inside of the shoe. So you know, at the end of the day, you're still getting a present, but how huh, you think you're getting something? Yeah. Just a dumb joke. Now I didn't think Kenneth would get that gift. <laughs> so he opens the gift and he sees this old dirty shoe and he just goes, uh, I, I, I don't think it's going to fit. <laughs> and that was just like, it brought the house down. And we weren't laughing at it. It was just like the moment. But, you know? that's, but that's the thing with, with Warrantasian. We went to a, a football game. Uh, the, the Pats were playing the, the Dolphins. Yeah. So they're all from, so they're Pats freaks, right? Right. Warren was with us at the football game. And a really well-known sportscaster uh-huh. gets off the elevator. Warren Tajian is funny. Yeah, he knows. He purposefully says things right. that are funny. He, yeah, because he knows people but laugh. And they, he's yeah. got a sense of humor. Right. People don't get. They're uncomfortable. Uh-huh. With, and <laughs> yeah. he walked up yeah. to this famous sportscaster, and I forget I what it. he said, but it, it was something. He was a joke. It was a lighthearted thing. This guy completely blew him off. Oh yeah. It was, it was again that. He didn't know how to do it. He didn't know how to handle it. No. Yeah. Because, well, well, he's retarded. You know, he, he can't know. That's, I can't laugh at him. Right. I'm not laughing at him. He he's made a trying joke. to make you laugh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I had a, 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 a couple of, you know, some of the sweetest compliments that have been paid. Um, but there was this girl telling me about um, her two brothers both had downs. Mm-hmm. And she said they were watching something about Mary at her mom's house. And she said her older brother, she goes, Warren came on the screen. It's the one, have you seen my baseball at the, at the school? Right. And he goes, he goes walking up to the TV screen. She goes, he points it. He goes, he's special. <laughs> he's like me. Oh, that's great. <laughs> and she goes, he went back and sit down. And, and, and I thought that that's what everybody needs to see themselves. Like we were talking about Richard Pryor and George Carlin and stuff and those stories that they yeah. told mm-hmm. and you saw your own life reflected in it. Right. You know, and it teaches you something about yourself, about yeah. the world. That Everybody needs that. Everybody needs and deserves that, you yeah. know, to see their experience somehow reflected. So, you know, I'm not, al- I'm not alone. Yeah. You know, I'm not the only person going through this. Yeah. Because I got news, there ain't nobody that's alone. Right, right. You're only alone when you cut yourself off and you can't see it. Right, right. You know? Well, that brings me to my other point. That character was so good. You were so convincing yeah. in that character that you told me that a lot of times oh, career people was. didn't even know it was a, you know. Yeah. A, a, well, I mean, I still run into it. Of um, um, Well, the, the, the story I think I, I shared with you, because Robin Williams was one of my heroes. Oh, my God. You have to tell that. Then, well, I was doing a movie with Robin in um, Alaska. We were shooting over in Canada, but we were living in Skagway, what Alaska. What was it again, the film? The Great White. The Great White. The Big White. The, the Big, big White. white. Okay. And, um, Look it uh, up, people. We were. It was Robin and Holly Hunter and and Woody Harrelson, Tim Blake Nelson, um, Giovanni Ribisi, Allison Lohman, and me. Me and Tim Nelson were partners in crime. We were these Alaskan hoods, uh-huh. um, redneck hoods, right? Uh, but uh, anyway, Robin, Holly's character had Tourette's syndrome and the thing. We're talking about it. Me and Robin and Tim. And uh, 
Robin was, as I said, when Robin is the guy on the talk show ninety percent of the time. Oh yeah, he's always goofing. ADD, he's always on. Going off. He's always trying to make the crew laugh. Uh huh. But ten percent of the time, that switches off, and he's the guy. You know, he's himself. And but it's we, like a normal, just yep, low key yep, sort of uh, yep. average dude. Yeah. And we were sitting there. We'd been talking about our kids, and uh, talking about that, and and somehow it comes around to Tourette's. And Robin says, "Well, sometimes it's a tactile thing. You know, you can't." You can't look at. You have to touch something before you can look at it. And I said, "That's Tourette's." He went, mm, "No, no, it's really it's it's some some forms of mental retardation." He goes, "I did that, and I did this movie, The House of D, with David Duchovny, and I played this mentally, and that's what I did." I said, "Yeah, I know, I, I did the same thing in something about Mary." <laughs> or no, I said, "I did the same thing in Mary," and he goes, "What?" I said, "Yeah, I did the same thing in Mary. That unless I trusted someone." I couldn't look at them. I'd touch them, but I couldn't look at them. Right, right. <laughs> Something about Mary? I you said, didn't know. Yeah. That's you? Said, yeah. That's you! That's you! Uh-huh. I said, yeah, that's me. He goes, I call people. I ask, where in the hell did they find this guy no that could do it? It's you! And then he starts going, have you seen my baseball? Have you seen my baseball? Break that beans! Break that beans! So for the next, he starts week, doing he starts you for doing, you. Yeah. So <laughs> that's so next, Robin Williams. Well, he breaks into characters, <laughs> right, right? Like and cut, and he would become somebody else. Yeah, yeah. Warren starts becoming one of his characters. Uh huh. Oh. So for for about a week or so, he'd break into Warren. Well, one day he does it, and I just got this big shit-eating grin on my face, and he goes, "What? What?" I said, "When I was a freshman in high school, I had your first comedy album, and I memorized all of side one, uh-huh. and I have done you, Nanu, Nanu." Hundreds of times yeah. over the years. Wow. And now I'm watching you do me. <laughs> it's so surreal. Yeah. Wow, that's that's a that's a winning moment right yeah. there. And you look back. Again, those moments that still you know, you've been around to be like, Do you, you know, sometimes you don't want to go to the airport and get on the plane and go to the, No, exactly. You know, it becomes a job at yeah. points. Yeah, yeah. With every artist, with everybody. Yeah. And and there are points when I don't want to go mm-hmm. and do like I don't want to have to yeah. go back up to Vancouver again. Right, right. I want to sit out here with my toys. Right. Exactly. You know, but then after you're sitting out here with the toys for a month, you're like, you get like, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> yeah. So, but you know, it always. It, but those moments some point, sometimes make those day, yeah. those days worthwhile. But that's the thing. Every now and then, I still have those pinch me moments of holy shit! I can't believe I'm really getting to do this. Yeah. And you've been like, man. You were telling me too. Like, do you think that 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 is it, I think it's a compliment the fact that people didn't know. It, no, it is, and it, it still is. It, it, it was. It's a double-edged sword, right? In that I saw people I used to audition against for TV guest star stuff. Yeah, one in particular whose career skyrocketed because of this small movie that he did that he was great in. Well, it came out the same time that Mary came out, and you know, like. What the, what the, what the, when I when I read in the trades that this guy's getting five million dollars to do a movie, oh. and I like the guy, I take nothing away from his skill. He he deserves what he's got. Right? Who is it? But Can I'm you... not gonna say. Okay, 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 good, 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 good. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't know if it was a. <laughs> but okay. Um, but so I went through periods of like, what the. Fuck? Yeah, yeah. Where's my yeah? yeah. Where's my well, piece of the pie? Because I'm still out auditioning for you know small guest star things and still right. doing yeah yeah. And and it was my manager said it a few years later. She goes, "You played it too well." But when 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 uh, when 
uh, Tropic Thunder came out. Yeah, I was going to say. And then that whole bit, man. About you went full yeah, retard. Yeah. <laughs> I sent him an email and said, well, I guess I figured out why I'm not making $5 million a picture. Too convincing. Uh, yeah. Well, I see, I, I, at the end of the day, though, I, feel, I still think that's the highest compliment when somebody doesn't even know. Because that's what, I mean, as a character actor, right? I mean, yeah. it, you don't want people to go like, oh, there's Earl again. Yeah. Oh, there's Earl again. You want people but to go see, like, but wait, is that is that Earl? Yeah. Because you're doing so good yeah. at transforming and that's what I, I, I take creative joy out of, yeah. you know, that, that I get to do those things. Yeah. And it's, you know, I see because my friend John Hawks is going through now the whole Oscar thing because of the sessions. The sessions. And, and John, you know, he's... he's Another film that Earl is in, by the way. Small, uh, small go film. to his IMDb page, you'll see there's like 18 it's, post-production things. That's a great movie. Guys working all the time. And thanks um, to you, you, you were able to get me into that, uh, the screening of that because you were out of town in Vancouver. Yeah. And Earl's such a nice guy. He called me up and said, "Hey, you want to?" Uh, no, I said, "You're about to become a big movie star. You need to do movie star things. Go get on that red carpet." <laughs> yeah, which I did <laughs> thanks to you. Which, by the way, if, I like to get into that little subject change. How are we going here? Well, we got we're at 57. How, how much time do you have? I got time. We can do chapter two. Yeah, we can do chapter two. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I could, I'm going to cut. this I got up another anyway. hour. Okay, good. Um, well, let me plug some dates real quick. Heffern and Reap. Shameless plugs. That's right. Don't forget to go to heffernandreap.com for all your Heffern and Reap needs. Um, you can uh, click on our Amazon link. There's an Amazon banner if you want to go shopping online on Amazon. Go to our page first. Click on that Amazon link. That will take you to Amazon, and anything that you buy from there on will help us out a little bit. It doesn't cost you any extra money, but it does help us out and promote the show uh, and keep the lights on and all that jazz. You can also check us out on iTunes. Go to our iTunes page. Make sure you rate and review us. That helps us um, you know, get better rankings. And um, you, know, you can come see me on the road as well. November 16 through 18, I'll be in Dayton, Ohio at the Funny Bone there. November 29 through December 2nd, I'll be in Lexington, Kentucky at Comedy Off-Broadway. And December 7th, I'm going to be with John Heffron and Eliza Schlesinger. Uh, and we're going to be doing a show together in Winter Haven, California at a casino. It's an Indian casino. I'm going to butcher this name. Quechin? Quechin? Uh, casino. Come check us out there, December seventh, and uh, you know February seventh through ten. I'll be in Tampa, Florida, at Size Splitters, and then uh, my my dates change and move around a lot. So be sure to uh, check out our tour dates. You can do that at heffernandreap.com. I, I aspire to be what W. Earl Brown is <laughs> because you know I come from the stand-up world. I don't know much about acting. I know a little bit. I'm a theater major, but I, I've faked my way through that. Um, hey, acting. Is honesty. That's true. And once you learn to fake that, <laughs> <laughs> that's a great quote. Yeah, I stole it. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, I like that. There's a lot of truth in that. <laughs> but um, yeah, so if it weren't for Earl, you know, I, we've talked about this on the podcast uh, previously. Is that I, I'm in a film that's coming out next summer called Black Sky. It's a big tornado chasing uh, action thriller. It's not a comedy, but my part part is comedic. And I wouldn't have even got that part if it wasn't for this guy right here. Because uh, what you were reading the script, I went into audition for it and I read the script, and it is the Hemi guy. <laughs> I mean, <it's, laughs> right? You know, that's true. Yeah, I play, pretty much played it like that. And because uh, I called you afterwards and I said, "Have you seen, what was it called? It's called Category Six. They were calling first. it Category yeah, Six the first. They changed. But I, I called and I asked you, "Have you seen this script? You should do." And that, that, well, that's the other thing. 
I bought the first Dodge Hemi that Star Dodge over here in Glendale had. <laughs> yeah. I went to buy my new truck, and I didn't know Dodge was making a Hemi. This is before your ad started airing. Right, right. So I bought the first one that they had in there. Went, hey, wow. they, they started the Hemi motor that, again? That silver, that yeah, great one. Out there. Yeah. <laughs> so everywhere I went for two years, I went to the California 500 right when the ads were hitting. Uh-huh. I wish I'd had a dollar because I could have paid for my tickets four times over <laughs> sitting here in the parking lot. I couldn't go 10 feet. Hey, man, that thing. So, <laughs> well, so that's I, I, I kept being, right. you know, reintroduced to John Reed all yeah. over again. Well, you were reading the script. You thought like, hey, this is uh, this oh, is that guy. Yeah. And so Earl calls me, you know, and says, hey, the, I just auditioned for this film that I think you, there's a part of it that you'd be perfect for. And I'm like, okay. Now, this is what normally what your agents are supposed to do. You know, this is why you give them 10%. Um, and, but, but Earl, you know, he, he was acting as, my, as a friend. As a, you know, a, so I got mad at my agents for not, you know, they sort of dropped the ball on that. Um, and that's why I took uh, Earl out for a nice steak dinner the other day at uh, uh, Morton's. And, and I've told him when the sequel happens, <laughs> I get a Dodge Challenger. No problem. <laughs> SRT, baby. Let me tell you something. If there is a Donk and Revis sequel... You will get a challenger. And I want to make sure it's got... The hell have a hammer! <laughs> All right, man. Thank you so much for doing this, folks. Uh, thanks for listening. Don't forget, uh, we're on the road constantly. Check us out. HeffernandReef.com. And uh, thanks again. Bicycle! Go to HeffernandReef.com for tour dates and great links. Hey, did you get that? It's HeffernandReef.com. Go there now. Now.